Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Right. How are you? Great to see all of you here today. Thank you so much for being with us, for being a part of Oaks Church. Uh, All of you online, welcome. Thank you so much. Literally uh, two to three times the people that are in our services on Sunday are with us online throughout the week. Thank you for being a part of Oaks. You are a part of our family and we're grateful for you. I want to take a second before I uh, move into the message portion. I, during worship, felt very strongly that God wanted to say something um, directly to you from God's heart to you. Um, I know at least two or three people personally that this is gonna be a word from God to you. Uh, In the Bible, it's called prophecy. Prophecy isn't fortune telling. It's not just telling the future, although a prophecy can uh, show things that are in the future. Prophecy means to consult with God and say what he says to communicate with God and then say what he says. It's a very simple thing. It's a very practical thing. Every single one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have been given the gift of divine communication. You can communicate with God and then you can say what God says. It's not spooky, it's not weird. It's powerful and it's a part of the creative essence that God has given you to operate in his power, in his authority. Everything that God makes, he makes through speaking. And when he gives you the gift of prophecy, he gives you the gift to create like he creates by hearing what he's saying and then saying what he says. And you can create atmospheres, you can create opportunity, you can create healing, you can create so many things by just saying what God says. Amen? Amen. So if you would, I just want you to just turn your hands up and I just want you to open your heart up. If you're with us online, do the exact same thing. This is what the Lord said to me during the service. And I believe there are dozens of people that this word is for you. The Lord says, I have watched you walk through this last season. And I have seen your hurt. And I have seen your suffering. And I have heard your cries. The times you thought that I wasn't there and you said, God, where are you? I was with you and I was near you and I am near you still. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. I am for you. I go before you and I cover behind you and you will lack for nothing. I know you feel like you have gone without. I know you feel like I have been absent. I know you feel like I was not present, but I was there the entire time. I know you feel like you couldn't take it one more second. I know you feel like you couldn't get through what I had you walk through and that you didn't have in you what you needed to have to make it through, but I was with you. I know it was hard. I know it is still hard at times, but I am with you, and I'm asking you to trust 
me through this process. I am making you in this process. I am forging you in this process. I am purifying you in this process. I am building a faith in you more precious than gold. I am creating in you a tenacity and an endurance and a boldness and a courage that is what you need to make it into the next season of victory. That is right. You have a season of victory before you and I am with you and I have championed you through the low times and I will celebrate with you in the good times that are in your future for you have sowed in tears and you shall reap in joy. I am bringing abundant joy to you. I am bringing my presence to you in a tangible way. Opportunity will come. Favor will come. Provision will come. Healing will come. Restoration will come. Your family will be brought together and renewed and recharged. I am doing a great thing in you. Do not quit. Do not give up. Do not lean back. Lean in. Do not fall away. Push forward because I am with you and I will hold your arms up and I will walk you into your victory if you just don't quit. I've given you a command. Your command is to stand. In the middle of the storm, stand. In the middle of the storm, keep your eyes fixed on me and know that I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to, um, uh, that'll be on the recording. Oh my gosh, thank you, love. I have my Kleenexes overflow. Um, we'll transcribe it. We'll put it on the website. I believe that that, and, and listen, can I, can I explain? I'm going to be very candid with you. I had no idea what God was going to say. I just knew he wanted to say something. I had one verse. I had six words that God knew, that God told me I was going to say. And all of that came out. All of that came out. You know why it came out? Because I was willing to open my mouth. Willing to, I, knew, I knew six words I was supposed to say. But I was willing to open my mouth. Can I tell you? And this, guys, this is, this, is all, this is not the message today. This is all just following the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you in ways that you could not even imagine. And he just needs you to be willing to open your mouth. He'll fill it. He, he said to his disciples, I will give you a mouth if you'll be willing to open your mouth. When I learned this gift of prophecy, it was simple things like this. I would feel something in my heart saying, go tell that person I love them. And I would be like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. I'm gonna, they're going to think I'm a quack. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. And if I could muster the courage to go and say, hey, I just really feel like God wants you to know that he, he loves you and he, he sees you and you're not alone. And all of a sudden, someone would cry. And next thing we were praying. And, and God began to teach me if I would just follow that little nudge. Guys, it's a little bitty nudge. It's a little nudge. He, he, he speaks to you inside of your heart. It's not an audible voice. But if you follow that nudge... He'll open doors for you to do incredible things and to be used by him in ways that you've never even imagined. Amen? Would you be willing to go on this journey of faith with me? We are unstoppable. That's what the Lord says to us. We are unstoppable. I'm going to walk you through a number of very practical things today. Let me pray real fast. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I ask you to quicken my uh, tongue and quicken my speech and my intellect. Father, give me your ability today to convey the wisdom and the truth that you want your people to hear and receive today. 
Father, release your word. Nobody's here to hear the crafty ideas of a human being. We're here to hear your word and your voice. God, I know you've given me stories to tell. I know you've given me things to say and illustrations to make. But God, it's your voice that we live by. It's your, it's your breath that, that gives us life. Speaks to, speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm excited about this message today, uh, Unstoppable uh, Part 2. Today we started a spiritual journey last week. If you missed last week, it's very important that you go back, uh, watch it on our YouTube channel, Oaks Church Texas. Go to our website and click it. Go to our, our um, app. We have an Oaks Church app. If you go into your app store, Oaks Church Texas, you can find our Oaks Church app. Make sure it's Oaks Church Texas because Texas is the best country in the whole world. Um, and all of you that are coming in from the coast, you're coming in from the coast. That's great. We welcome you to Texas. Arms open wide. Just vote Texas, all right? Don't, don't vote the way you voted where you were before. Um, unless you were voting Texas wherever you were there before. Praise God. I'm excited today. I was so excited today that I was going 90 miles an hour on the way to get here, and I got pulled over. And uh, I was excited and, and, and the, the officer came up to the window, and I handed him my license and registration, hands, it's it just everybody, everyone knows this, right? Hands here, window crack. This is just basic common sense, okay? I already have my license and everything. If you haven't been taught this, I'm going to teach you these things, and it'll help you be more relaxed. When, when you get pulled over, you smile. I said, I said sir, I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm on my way to church. I had a great worship song on. I was very excited uh, about worship, and... Uh, he goes, did you realize you were doing 90 miles an hour? I said, no, I had no idea. I said, actually, I said, I'm a pastor, my wife and I, and we pastored McKinney. I said, and I'm be I, I was accidentally being a very naughty pastor. I was a naughty, naughty pastor today. And he laughed, and he said, do you have any warrants or any of those things? I said, no. I'm glad he didn't ask me if I had any handguns or anything, because I always have handguns. Um, even now, maybe. Maybe not, you don't know. Walk up slowly, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> he laughed. He said, do you have any warrants, any of these things? I said, no, sir. He goes, all right, I'm going to give you a warning. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. My wife's like, how did you get out of that? I don't know. And, uh, but, but praise the Lord for God's mercy because I was guilty. Guilty as charged. But it was a great worship song. And then they sang it today, and that made me even happier. Uh, last week, we talked about the word God gave us for our church was unstoppable. Literally three years inside of my journal, over and over and over and over, for three years in my prayer journal, God used the word unstoppable, unstoppable. What I'm going to do in you and through you, Joel, is unstoppable. This, this thing that I'm going to launch through you, it's unstoppable. No man can stand in the way. Can I tell you that there was a season of my life that, that I was afraid of the opinions of man. I was afraid of what my pastor thought about me. I was afraid of what other people would think. I was afraid of the opinions of man, and God had to break those things away from me and bring me into a place where I was more concerned with what he said and what he thought about me than I was about anyone else and what anyone else said or thought about me. And it set me free. So now I can lead and I can pastor with open arms. People come and go. People like me, they hate me. I'm just gonna love people. I'm just gonna love people. I, 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 that's all I can do. I can't be worried about what people are gonna think. And I'm gonna challenge you today with my message. I'm gonna challenge you. My goal as your pastor is not to make you comfortable. My goal as your pastor is not to make you feel good all the time. 
as a shepherd, as a, as a spiritual parent of a body of people, there are times when I need to say things that need to be heard at the risk of someone getting offended. You might leave today. You might say, you know what? I don't like this pastor anymore. I'm gonna go down the street and I will happily help you find one of the other wonderful churches in the city, in the region, because I'm friends with so many pastors in the city and honestly, some of them are way better than me. And I'll make an introduction for you. If I'm not the right pastor, if this is not the right house, I want you to be where you're called to be. I'll never manipulate or try to keep anyone here. If someone says, I feel like God wants me to go, I'll say, God bless you, how can we help you? Because I don't want people to be manipulated or twisted or, or made, this is not a cultish organization in any way, shape, or form. We are free people that serve a, a free God that his message is liberty. Jesus' message is liberty. And that's why liberty and freedom are so important inside of our country, inside of our nation. We're on a spiritual journey right now. We're praying and asking God. If you haven't started yet, begin praying and asking God. Uh, our, 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 our social media and our little weekly email, we're putting out scriptures and verses and things to pray and, and read through with us. And we're asking God to show us three things in this unstoppable uh, journey that we're on. And the reason that we're calling it a spiritual journey is because we just finished our, our kind of our first year of this unstoppable campaign. It's our, it's our building campaign, but it's our vision campaign. And, and I don't have time to go through everything we've accomplished. I did that last week. That's why if you missed last week, please go watch because you need to see the, the victories that we've had. It's unbelievable, guys. The victories that we have, it's, it's, it's not normal. It's outside of the, of the realm of, of what would be considered normal. In a season where churches, 25% of churches are closing, the average uh, attendance of churches has dropped dramatically and churches are, are treading water and God has, for whatever reason, put his grace and favor on us and we have surged forward in this season where other churches have struggled. I don't understand it. I'm not worthy of it, but God has something in store for us as a people. Amen? So there's three questions. Number one, who am I supposed to bring? Who am I supposed to bring? There are people in your world, in your circles, that God has put there because you are the one that is the conduit for their salvation. You're not their salvation, but you're the connector. You're the conduit. And we all need to be people that are looking for who can I bring to Jesus? Who can I bring to church? Who can I bring to be a part of the family of God? Number two, where can I serve? Where can I serve? I don't want to be a part of a, of a family. I don't want to be a part of a household of God and not be involved and engaged in using my talents and abilities to be a part of the family. Where can I serve? We can't build God's kingdom with people sitting. We build God's kingdom with people serving. If you haven't found a place to serve yet, I'm challenging you to find a place to serve. Now, you may have places outside of the church. That's wonderful. Do it. Do it all. But inside of the church, find a place to serve. Why? Because when we link arms together, we can do the impossible. We're unstoppable. Number three, what can I give? Father, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? It won't work, guys. None of this works unless all of us are bringing, all of us are serving, and all of us are giving. That is what makes us the most powerful. That is our best self. That is our best self as the people in the family of Oaks Church. And the reason I'm challenging you today, and we'll challenge you throughout this, and honestly, if I can just, just tell you, I, I, I'm a coach 
I was a coach for, for decades before I was a pastor. Uh, I still coach in the business world. I'm a coach, and coaches challenge. I, I, I don't, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna powder you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna provoke you to be the best you. And that doesn't mean I need to be mean or anything like that, but I'm gonna challenge you always. Because if I, the, listen, the day I stop challenging you is the day you should find a better pastor. If I no longer challenge you, then I encourage you to find a better pastor for you and for your life. See, humans are incredibly selfish by nature. Human nature is selfish. We don't like to share. We don't like to share. You may like to share now because you learn to share. But when you were little, when you were a kid, you had to be taught to share. When I married Jennifer, I had to teach her to share her dessert. <laughs> I'm talking years. It took me years to domesticate her dessert uh, uh, practices. <laughs> we're, we're selfish. I remember a time, the first time that I, that I remember, it was a traumatic time, and I remember getting in pretty severe trouble because I didn't want to share. I was uh, uh, at a friend's house. I was maybe three. I was, it, was, it was called the Big Boys Club in San Diego, California, where I was growing up, and, and my, it was like a little neighborhood mom's group, you know, play date kind of whatever situation, and it was the big boys club, and I was playing with some little kid, I don't remember who the heck it was, but, but some little kid, and, and there was this toy, and I had this toy, and I was into this, it be a Hot Wheel or a dinosaur or something, and I'm playing with this toy, and this kid wanted this toy for me, and he was yanking and pulling and trying to, and he was trying to pry my hands open, and I was like, no, oh, it's mine, I'm playing with this, whatever, it's mine, and playing with this toy, and playing, and he's like pulling my hands and pull on my hands and finally I did what any, any sane three-year-old would do. I just bit him. I just bit his little hand. Because I don't want to share. I got in big trouble. And, and, and the funniest part was is it was his toy. It wasn't even my toy. I didn't want to share his toy. Forget sharing my toy. But in life we're taught to share. And, and part of us learning to share is part of us learning God's nature. See, God is the greatest giver. God is the greatest giver. That's why when we talk about giving in church, it shouldn't be upsetting, it shouldn't be offensive, because we're talking about the very nature of God. God is the greatest giver. The Bible says that all good things come down from the Father of lights. All good things come down from our heavenly father. He's the giver of all good things. The entire opportunity that we have for salvation is because of John 3.16 where it says, Jesus quotes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish would have eternal life. Giving is the centerpiece of God. God is love and love gives, period. Love gives. You can give, watch this, you can give and not love. You can give with strings attached. You can give to manipulate. You can give to pacify. You can give to control. You can give and not love. But you can't truly love and not give. Love gives. 
God is love and love gives. God is the greatest giver. I heard it said early, and I grew up in church, guys. I believe this stuff. I, I was in church since I was, I was born in church. Not literally, but, I, but I, I mean, I just grew up in church always, always, always. We were always in church. My whole life in church. Not just one service. God, I'm, I, I feel like I'm on vacation every Sunday, y'all. I was in two, three services every Sunday my entire life. Wednesday night, prayer meetings. My whole life, one service too easy. And that's why we're going to two services. Right before Easter, Palm Sunday, we're going to two services. Not just because it's too easy, but look, there's only a few empty seats in here. But guess what? There are thousands and thousands of people in this region that need Jesus, that need saved, that need a place to sit. So we're going to go to two services. You know why? Because it's not just about your comfort. It's not just about your convenience or mine. I'm the one that's got to work extra. Our team's got to work extra. Guys, let me tell you, I'm willing to go to four services, six services. If it means more people are getting saved, if it means more people are coming to Jesus, if it means we're baptizing people every single Sunday, I'll do however many services I have to do. I don't care about the work. I care about the harvest. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who will you bring? Where will you serve? What will you give? See, I, I learned early on, you cannot outgive God. Can't outgive God. The Bible says when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. You can't outgive it. And here's why. Psalms 27.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything is his. Everything is his. Everything is his. Everything is his. We as humans have this phrase that we use all the time, mine, 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 mine. That's my car, it's my house, it's my job, it's my couch, it's my wallet, it's my wife, mine, 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 my kids, mine, 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 None of it's yours. None of it's yours. It's not your money. It's not your kid. It's not your wife. It's not your job. All of it's his. You are simply a manager of what's his. You're an overseer, a babysitter of what's his. And it's not about what you want with your stuff. It's about what he wants with his stuff. It's all his. I had a friend, I have a friend, who had a radical transformation. I've told you the story multiple times. Very, very wealthy man, had a wild, crazy life. Literally lived an adult movie. I mean, he was the, super wealthy. When you have a lot of money, you can sin real big. You can sin real big when you got big money. And this guy lived it up. And when, when, the, when he was radically saved, when God radically saved him, he became one of the most generous people I've ever met in my entire life. And his statement to me every time when he would blow me away, I mean, this guy instantly went from, from funding the biggest sins you could imagine to funding some of the biggest moves that, that anyone could, could help inside of our, our local church. Every time I would turn around, 
He was giving, 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 serving, serving, helping, helping. Why? He said this, none of it's mine. I spent, I spent 40 years of my life squandering what God had given me. He told me, he said, Joel, last year alone, I spent a million and a half dollars on wickedness. And now I'm gonna use everything I have for God and for his kingdom. None of it's mine, he said. All of it's his. Everything is God's. But our nature is selfish. Human nature is selfish. We can't do this thing tapping into our human nature. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 says, by which we have been given, God has, has been given us great and exceeding and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers of the divine nature, of God's nature. Our relationship with Jesus has brought us into a place that word partaker means a shareholder. You are a shareholder of God's nature. You have access to his nature. So when someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't have to be a jerk. You can tap into his divine nature. When you feel stingy or greedy, you don't have to be a jerk. When the waitress doesn't do exactly what you want or think, you don't have to be a jerk. You can tip anyway. You could say, hey, Brittany, I'm making up a name. You look really stressed today. You look like you're really having a tough time. I just want you to know that God loves you so much, and I'm gonna give you a really big tip today. Not because of anything that you did, but just because of how much God loves you. Well, that, well, that $10 tip or $20 tip, what does that do to you? Really? Does it affect your life? No, but it certainly would affect hers. See, we, 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 we want to be, we have these ideas of, of justice, of what's right, of how we should be treated. And the Bible gives a, a different picture. He says, wouldn't it be better, it says in the Bible, wouldn't it be better to allow yourself to be mistreated for his sake? Oh, Jesus was mistreated. He was mistreated. I, I have two statements I want to share with you. I love to give. I live to give. I love to give. I live to give. Guys, I tell you, I, 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 I love to give. I, I literally, every time I have to lunch with somebody, I want to buy. The coffee, I want to buy. I see somebody that, that there's got some, I want to I give. I just love it. I love it. I love to give. I live to give. I've learned the joy of giving. The whole statement when you were a kid and they said, more blessed to give, to give than to receive. You're like, baloney, get out of town. Look, receiving's fun too. Receiving's fun. But when you're the giver, 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 guess what? You're, you're tapping into a principle of creation. And so on one side, you're giving, 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 and you don't realize it's all seeds, it's seeds, it's seeds. You're sowing seeds everywhere. You're planting, you're planting, you're planting, you're planting, you're planting. And over here, you're receiving, 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 receiving. My wife is always like, people just give things to me. They just would just give things to me. She's like, people are always giving you stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm always giving, 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 giving. I love to give. 
It's so much fun for me. It's so contrary to my original nature. I've learned to tap into his nature. And listen, giving, and you're going to see this in a moment, giving is way, 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 don't, don't, don't for a second think that I'm only talking about money. Money is the smallest part of giving. I'll show you that as we walk through this. Money is the smallest part. It's a part, and it's a big part of all of our lives. We all have to have money. Unless we go back to bartering, trading chickens and eggs and stuff. For certain, right now, we all have to have money. Money is an important part of life. But when it comes to giving, you have way more to give than just money. Money's a part of it. It's not all of it. I'm going to read you a couple verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy or full of light, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy or dark, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now this passage, Jesus is talking about money. I told you last week, money is the number one topic in the Bible. It's the number one topic in the Bible talked about more than any other topic in the whole Bible. Why? Because money is important in your life. And God wants you to have the right perspective when it comes to money. And that's what this passage is about. But remember, it's way bigger than money. Money's just an indicator. Money is a litmus test. This passage says, where your treasure is, your heart is. Money is an indicator of the directive of your heart. You can, you can, we don't, does anybody have checkbooks anymore? You can look through your, your statement. <laughs> I got one somewhere. Look through your statement and you can see where your heart is by where your money goes. Are your kids important? Are they part of your treasure? Money goes there. Your spouse important? Money goes there. Is, is God's church important? Money goes there. Is your retirement and future taking care of your family important? Money goes there. Where, whatever is important, wherever your heart is, money goes there. It's just an indicator. Money's not good. Money's not bad. Money's neutral. What you do with it is either good or bad. But this passage is really interesting because he says, the eye is the lamp of the body, the light of the body. If your eye is full of light, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is evil or dark, your whole body is full of dark. And how great is that darkness? We were on a trip in Estes Park. We, I, I love the mountains. I love Colorado. <clears throat> and we would take these RVs, big old bus RVs, and rent them and drive up and spend a couple weeks up in the mountains. And we were in Estes Park, and we were walking through the little downtown, beautiful uh, downtown area. And I walked, I saw a sign on the road that said, Turkish coffee. It was this little Turkish shop. And I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. I'm going to get some Turkish coffee. I'm going to give it a whirl. Now, I didn't realize that how they make Turkish coffee is that all the grounds are still in it. And you're supposed to wait. And the grounds go to the bottom. And, and the, the, the liquid is up top. And you sip gently. For, you don't drink it the way you drink normal coffee. Or you look like you dip chewing tobacco. And you got stuff all in your teeth. It really wasn't a great experience. But that's not my point. All right. My point is, when I'm in this little Turkish store, I keep seeing this image. It was a white circle with a blue circle, with a black dot. 
a white circle with a blue circle with a black dot all over the store. Jewelry, uh, decorations all over the store. And I asked the little Turkish lady, I said, hey, what, what is this? She said, that's the evil eye. I'm like, okay. She goes, we place it in our, in our, in our tradition, our culture, and this is all over the Middle East, this is all over the Mediterranean area, that they put this symbol out to ward off the evil eye. Superstition. I said, okay, what does that mean? What does the evil eye mean? She said, well, it's when someone looks at you and they say something nice, but they really mean something evil. It's when, it's, it's when they say, oh, isn't she pretty? Oh, they got a new house? Must be nice. It's this, and it's connected into covetousness, jealousy, but specifically, greediness and stinginess. People that look at the good and the blessing in others and are greedy and stingy and covetous, and according to Jesus, the dark perspective, the stingy perspective, the greedy perspective, the I don't want to share perspective, the mine, 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 mine perspective makes you internally dark. And he says, how great is that darkness? In the Middle Eastern culture, the good eye represents generosity. If your eye is full of light, if your perspective is generous, if you're looking for how you can help, how you can serve, what you can do. I love businesses that when you walk in, they say, how may I help you? How may I serve you? Thank you for your help. Oh, it was my pleasure, Chick-fil-A. Thank you, Jesus, for Chick-fil-A. It was my pleasure to serve you, right? I hate being in a store and you walk around. I, I, I know, I, look, no, 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 no offense because Home Depot is wonderful and our neighbors and we won't have a good relationship with them because we're probably gonna have to borrow their parking and, and they got lots of good stuff there. But I can never find an orange vest anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. And when I ask for help, they're like, uh, hold on. And they pull out a device and then, yeah, that's on aisle 728 at the very, very back corner of their best of luck. And I'm like, no, you come with me, right? You walk with me. I'm going to hold your hand, mister, and we're walking together because I need help. What happened to the days of how can I help you? How can I serve you? Oh, let me get that for you. Guys, that's the culture that I want here at Oaks Church, that we're constantly looking, how can we help you? How can we serve you? What can we do? It's about serving. It's about a good perspective. It's way bigger than money. Way bigger than money. It's about your perspective on life. On life, Mark 10, 23, Jesus looked around at all his disciples. This is right after the rich young ruler came. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus said, follow these commandments. He said, I've done all those. I'm good at those. I'm great at that. I follow every single commandment. I'm amazing at it. Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell all your possessions. Give to the poor. Come follow me. And the rich young ruler got sad because he was real rich. He walked away. 
The beautiful thing is it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And part of the traditional, the traditional story is that actually that, was, that, that gentleman didn't walk away forever. It was a temporary faith crisis and he actually came back to Jesus and was incredibly generous in the future. But in that moment, Jesus says this. Mark 10, 23, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, but with God... But not with God, for with God all things are possible. And then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundred Fold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions and in the age to come also eternal life. But many will be first, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. I want to take a second in this passage because this is talking about how hard it is for rich people to get to heaven. And, and you could potentially, many of you could say, well, whew, good thing I'm not rich. But the reality is every single one of you in this room are rich. You're rich. You're so rich. You're so rich. Did, did you have more than one pair of shoes to pick from today? Did you stand in your closet and go, I just don't know what to wear. I've got nothing to wear in the whole closet full. Did, did, you, did you say, hey Siri, what's the weather? Did you talk to Alexa? Did you use a cell phone? Do you have air conditioning? Do you have a washer and a dryer in your house? Do you have a dishwasher in your house? Do you realize that all over the world people live in squalor? You're rich. Even you teenagers. Rich. Spoil a little. Just play. Rich. All of you. Rich. We have access to everything at the click of a button. We complain about Wi-Fi not being strong enough. People have real problems, y'all. We are so rich. And the thing with rich people, like you, is that when there's a problem, we throw money at it. Because money fixes problems. And so we have a problem with the kid, so we, have, we throw money at it. We have a problem with the wife, so we throw money at it. We try, to, we, try to buy, we try to buy fixes. Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich? Because they put their trust in riches. See, see more than money, your, 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 your spouse needs you. More than, more than a money fix, your, your, kid, your kid needs you. They need, they need those moments where you step in and be a real dad, a real mom, a real big brother. You're not the answer, Jesus is the answer, but you're the conduit. And rich people, we tend to trust in riches. I don't know how to fix my, 
my, my oven that's, that's broken, right? We had one of those, you ever have one of those weeks where everything breaks all at once? Our oven's down, our dishwasher's down. Apparently, I mean, washing machine? Washing machine for clothes. It's just stuff breaking. Chaos, craziness. I can't fix any of it. I mean, men used to be real men. <laughs> Actually, do the work. Don't worry, honey. Let me at it. I'm like, hell, oh, my tractor broke. And this is the best part. I pull in, I'm taking this, so it's my drive, it's, it's a long driveway, it's carry trash. We are in the country, and it's like 900 feet, and I don't carry trash 900 feet. So I got my little tractor mower, and I have a little cart on the back, and I put the, the trash in there, and I pick up Jennifer's two fat pugs, and I stick them in there, and the two fat pugs help me take out the trash, and, and I go about three miles an hour in the tractor, and it's go out there, and I, and I come back around, and I pull up, and I park it right behind Jennifer's car that's in the garage, and I turn it off for a second and I unload and put the pugs and go back and it won't start. And I charge the battery and I jump the battery and it won't start. And now her car is stuck in the garage. But I'm free as a bird. I'm good. Everything breaking all at once. I can't fix any of it. Got to throw money at it. We trust in riches. All of us, guys, all of us. See, it's easy to get poor people saved. Because they need help. Rich people help themselves and look down at other people who don't. It's true. The disciple says, we have, we have left all and followed you. Watch, the promise of Jesus is so incredible. He says, any of you who have left all, houses, family members, lands, properties, income streams, you've left all, will receive a hundredfold more. Watch, lands, family members, income streams, houses, properties, That's pretty amazing. And he said, and in the next life, eternal life. The, the deal with Jesus, the hookup with Jesus, is anything that I take and give away, anything that I walk away from and leave behind for his sake, Jesus promises I will receive a hundred times that in this life. In this life. And everlasting life. Guys, it's both. This is a sweet deal. It's both. It's this life and an everlasting life. This is an amazing deal. Guys, this is why every single one of us should be as generous as possible, constantly looking, Father, what can I lay down for you? What can I give away to you? Why? A hundredfold back. Are you kidding me? It's just common sense. It's common sense. Your free time? Guys, I'm not stingy with money at all. I told you this last week. I'm stingy with time. 
I'm stingy. I'm stingy. I, and and when, you're, when you're in a, a, an industry that's all about people and helping people and serving people and helping people and serving people, there are times where I don't even want to see a human. Maybe that's why we live in the boonies. Just, I just, I want to be alone. I, I want to be alone with my thoughts. I want some quiet. I have a loud life. I said life, not wife. <laughs> Sometimes she's loud. Only when I'm, only when I irritate her. Can I tell you guys, the disciple says to Jesus, we have left all. Can I tell you, God wants your all. He wants your all. He wants your all. He wants your all. He wants every bit of your heart. He wants your attention. He wants your time. He wants your affection. He wants your worship. God wants your all. He wants all of you. He, he created a principle in the Bible called a tithe. And before you think that tithe is just about money, tithe is about everything. Tithe, tithe is about everything. I'm going to show you that in Scripture. Is money included? Yes. But it's about everything. It's not just about money. Money is just one piece, guys. Don't ever think this, this, this idea. The preacher just all, the preacher's just talking about money. Preachers are talking about money. Listen, all you do is talk about money. And can I tell you this? Everybody wants your money. Nike wants your money. Amazon wants your money. Kroger wants your money. Everyone, 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 everyone wants your money. Not everyone is offering you an eternal opportunity, though. Tithe means tenth, one-tenth. The instruction is to bring to God into his house, into his church, one-tenth of all increase. One-tenth of all increase. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord in the fullness thereof. One-tenth of your increase. If you have income, one-tenth of it belongs to God instantly. It's his. It's not yours. I'm going to explain why. Your time. One-tenth of it. Guys, what would happen in your life? Watch this. What percentage of your time does technology get? On your phone? On an iPad? On a TV? On a radio? If you added up your time, what percentage does Netflix get? Facebook get? Instagram get? What percentage does God get? See, I, I, can I, can I, can I, can I, if I had a little soapbox, I could get on the soapbox. Here, hold on. Get on the soapbox. I grew up in church. Church was the community. Church was the family. Church was where you served. Church was where you gave. Church was where you, I met my wife at church, my best friends at church. We were there all the time. We built our life around being a part of God's workings and doing God's will and, and growing and building a church. And now church is somewhere that people come for one hour, maybe every other week or two or three. Nothing's holy anymore. I mean, when I grew up, 
You didn't get homework. Public school, no homework on Wednesday nights because people went to church. God bless America. No sports practices on Wednesday nights. No games on Wednesday nights. We had church. Nothing's holy now. And the church, and get it, get it, guys, get it, get it. I've been hurt in church. I've been offended in church. Guys, I almost left church. And I was a pastor. And I was so hurt and so offended at church that I was like, forget this. I'll go in the business world and make 10 times the money. Why am I, why am I suffering and going without in a place where I get hurt and offended and unappreciated? I get it. I get it. But the organized body of believers is the vehicle Jesus chose to bless the earth. And if you become anti-church, I'm sorry, but you're anti-Jesus. Because this is the vehicle. This is the vehicle. That was a strong statement I just made. If you're anti-church, you think you're smarter than Jesus. Because Jesus picked the church, the called out body of believers. Now I get it, there are corporate entities that don't look much like the heart of Jesus. I get that, I've seen that. But don't give up on the organized body of believers, the church. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. Because it is the tool that Jesus uses. It's the tool that Jesus chose. And we're simply better together. And when we're together, we have to be less selfish. When you're out there, listen, and I get it, there's a whole movement of home church and there's you know, two, three, four little cute families and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's just wonderful and they're just all about them and kumbaya and all their little four little whatevers and all that kind of stuff. It's selfish. Selfish. I want to do it my way. This whole thing is about cooperation. It ain't Burger King. Get it your way. I have a friend whose dad is a pastor. His church is shrinking, 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 because he does church the way he likes church as a pastor. The songs I like. How long I like a church service to go. Completely missing out on how to connect to the heart of people and what people need. It's not about any one of us alone. It's about all of us cooperating together. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food or meat or provisions in my house. It's God's will and plan for the organized church to be incredibly strong to meet needs. Guys, I showed you last week over $600,000 actively given to missions in our first three years. Another 150 already poised and allocated to go out this year. God, I mean, we're unbelievably generous inside of this church, constantly looking for opportunities, constantly looking for ways that we can bless and meet needs all around the world. The house of God needs to be strong because we are the, the, we are the hand hands and feet of Jesus, and we've got to be in a position to do great things. And try me now in this with the tithe, God says, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour on you such a blessing that you will not have enough room to contain. Jesus talked about tithing too. Watch this, and this is where I'm going to show you something, because I told you, I told you, it's not about money. It's not about money. Money's a part of it, but it's not about money. 
Jesus said to the, to the, to the scribes and the Pharisees who were, uh, he says, for you pay tithe of your mint and anise and cumin. They, these guys were such tithers, they tithed on the leaves in their garden. They, I mean, they were the best of the best of the, anything that grew, anything that was increased, they would tithe, 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 tithe. He says, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Jesus said, you need to tithe in everything. Tangible things you can touch and intangible things like mercy and justice and faith. Giving, 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 giving. Come on, what would happen if we gave more mercy, more mercy, more mercy? Guys, we give judgment like crazy. All you have to do is change to the news channel you don't like. Mm. She's ugly. I don't even like the way she holds her mouth. Ugly. Guys, we judge. We judge. Drive past someone sitting under a bridge. He looks healthy. He can work. You don't know how unhealthy things might be up here. We don't know. We judge. What if we were more generous in everything? Money, sure. But mercy. Watch this. Luke chapter 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give monetarily, and... It will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Guys, this isn't just about money. I told you all along, this is about everything. 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 So my question for you today is this. Do you live to give? Do you live to give? Is your eye full of light? constantly looking for how I can serve, who I can bring, what can I give? See, I could go on and on and on and on about tithing, the 10th. Can I tell you just personally, as, as, as just as a Christian, not even as a pastor, just as a Christian, because I wasn't a pastor my whole life, but I've been a, I've been a tither my whole life. 10% is the least I would ever give. 10% of my gross income, the least I would ever give. Jennifer and I are much, we're, we're far beyond 10%. And have been for years and years and years and years. Give so much it hurts. Give so much we have to sacrifice other things. Why? Why? Because that's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. My goal is to be the biggest giver in this church. I'm not the biggest earner, but I, but I want to be the biggest giver. I'm not there yet, but I'm pushing toward it. And I want to encourage you. I have a friend, I'm not going to give you his name because many of you would know him, but I have a friend who made it his goal to be the biggest giver in his church. And he found out what the, the top level, the biggest giver was. He, he somehow found out how, what the biggest biggest giver was and he made it his goal I want to be the biggest giver in this church but his income wasn't there yet but he, watch this he made a commitment to God he made a commitment to God that in that calendar year last year his commitment was that he was going to be a six figure giver he was going to give away over a hundred thousand dollars that was his goal but his business didn't make enough to 
so he and his wife prayed and they trusted God. And they set their auto giving on a number that would hit and exceed $100,000 of giving in that year, even though they didn't have, now they had, they had excess. So it wasn't like they weren't gonna pay their mortgage. They had excess. And he looks up about, he called me, he said, Joel, he goes, I, three quarters of the way through the year, I've already exceeded the number. My, I just had a talk with my CPA and I'm on track right now that, that I'm gonna have to give an extra half a million dollars to actually meet my tithe now. His business more than doubled. I'm just telling you, this is my friend who called me this year to tell me what happened. I'm not saying it's magic, it doesn't happen. I mean, that was his story, that's his story. But I could go through, look, I could look around this room and I could, I could pull out person after person after person after person and I could say, hey, what was the secret when, when God made your business go the next level? And they would say tithing, 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 tithe. I could tell you a hundred stories right now and we'll finish at 1.30 today. Because I have that many stories of people that when they moved in the place of saying, I'm going to forsake the common sense, common sense says I can't give away this because if I give away this, then I will have lack. But spiritual wisdom says I can't not give away this because if I don't give this away, I won't tap into the principle of the hundredfold return. We've left all, Jesus, and he says, and you will receive a hundred times more in this life and eternal life. And that's where it gets really wild, is that your giving is connected to your eternity. Your time, it's not just about money. Your abilities, your mercy, guys, your, your judgment, your grace, ooh, your forgiveness. What, 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 if, what if you started tithing forgiveness? to people that don't deserve it. What would you reap? Anybody ever here need forgiveness? I needed it this morning on the way to church. Thank you, Officer Crawford. You are your greatest gift. The greatest gift you can give is you. The greatest gift you can give is you. Your time talent, your ability. Guys, go on this journey with us. Pray. If you're a tither, that's awesome. You're already giving 10%, that's awesome. You're already serving the church, that's awesome. You're already bringing people to church, that's awesome. Now let's step it up a notch. Add a percent. Pick up another shift. This unstoppable pledge, and you guys, there's these little things are underneath the cards. We have two desks out there that have the booklets. If you're an online member, you can go on our website, oakschurch.com, click on the unstoppable button, and you can get the, all, the whole presentation, the booklet, all that's there. Guys, go on this journey with us. Pray. Ask the Lord to show you. Ask the Lord to show you what he wants you to do. Who can I bring? Where can I serve? What can I give? And, and, and with your giving, and with your serving, and with your invitations, Guys, push past your comfort level. Ask God to help you to see and dream in big and give bigger, serve more, go beyond. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a harvest, a harvest, a harvest of souls that God wants to bring into the kingdom through Oaks Church. And it's gonna take all of us working together to get there. And I can promise you this, I promise you this, we, we, we push together and we link arms together and we pull this thing off together. We'll stand before God and he'll say, well done. He'll say, well done. 
because it's about living for something bigger than us, the cause of the name of Jesus. More than our comfort, it's the cause of the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your courage. I thank you for teaching us this principle of generosity. Father, helping us to become tithers of all. Our, our whole life, God, the tithe represents the all. The tithe is a ten, a ten. Ten represents all. Ten represents redemption. Ten represents a test. Father, as we move into this principle of tithing, of, of, of giving the first portion, the first fruit, the first fruit of forgiveness, we're the first to forgive. We're the first to bless. We're the first to encourage. We're the first to give mercy. We're the first to, to be generous. We're the first person to volunteer to serve. Father, when we move into the being the first, being the first, I'm going to put myself last and I'm going to be the first. And Jesus, you said, the last shall be the first. God, work in our hearts and make this place the most generous church could ever be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you are far from, if you're far from God right now or if you're away from God right now, if you've wandered off the path right now, I want to give you an opportunity. It's just a simple opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to come back to Jesus, to get your life right with Jesus. Don't miss this moment. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Don't miss this moment. If you're away from God, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, or if you've been living your life and you've been the boss and you've been doing what you want, it's about me and mine, this is your moment to submit to Jesus. Come back to him right now. Simply pray this prayer across the room with me or online with me right now. Say this, say, Jesus. Today I say yes. I'm giving my life to you. I'm making you my Lord, my master, my savior. I give myself to you. The tithe of my whole life, every facet of my life, I give to you. I'll be generous in every way, inside your church and outside your church. And I will receive your reward here in this life and in the next life, eternity. I believe you rose from the dead. We're coming back again. And I am saved by faith in your name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. He's good. He's good. He's good. That's... We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.